Praise the Lord, amen. Come on, man, that's all right. Praise the Lord, amen. Woo, all right, that's what I'm talking about, man. We've been talking, Lord, right, for a little bit about being centered, right, centered in Christ. And, and, and you know, we've been using this, this term centered for this, for this series that we're taking you through, man. But, but you can get carried away. A lot of people get carried away with that word centered, all right? And there's a lot of different faith beliefs and, and religions and different practices centered and all that stuff. And you know what? Hey, you know, whatever, do your thing, man. But, but here, we're talking about being centered in Christ. So let me just kind of paint this out for you real quickly, all right? The, 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 this, this, this idea of centered is simply this. If, if the central point of your life or the most powerful influence, all right, of your life is the redemption, is the redemption of Jesus Christ, then the fact that God sent his son, all right, because we're all jacked up, all right? God sent his son, all right, to, to live and to die for our sins, all right, on the cross, that, that he sent our son who died on the cross, who was buried. It's history, man. You can't contend this. All right, who who died on the cross and was buried and who rose again. All right, and and, and, is, and is the big old G who loves me is God in heaven. All right, and if the central point of your life or the most powerful influence of your life is the redemption of Jesus Christ, then every aspect of your life will bear fruit for Him. Will be productive for him. Because here's what we're basically saying, man. A life from Jesus will change the world for Jesus. A life from Jesus, hold on to that, man, will change the world for Jesus. All right. And I'm talking, yeah, the big whole world, but check this out. A life from Jesus will change your world and the worlds that you're involved in, your relational world, right? Your family world, all right? Your, your, your work world, all right? Your school world, every world that you're, that you're involved in, right? A life from Jesus is a world changing life, man. That's just it. Amen. Come on, man. That's a good place for an amen. All right. So let me just challenge you this right here real quick. All right. All right. Check this out. I got a question for you. Do you, do you ever, do you ever feel, all right, or right, find yourself constantly trying to do things for God, but, but, but maybe you just feel like you're just not really that good at it. All right. You find you're constantly trying to do things for God, man. But you know what? I'm just feeling like I just ain't good at this. All right, I'm not good at it, man. I'm trying, all right? And I got to challenge you because maybe, just maybe it's because, all right, you're, you're, you're trying to live for him before trying to live from him. And you, and you think I'm just playing with words, man, but that's a real deal. And maybe you're trying to live for God and you're not trying to live. Hey, maybe you don't know how to live from God. So we're going to challenge that today. We're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some scripture with you. Try not to get too crazy in the first part of this. And then I'm going to share this story that's insane. This is kind of a big story, but it's also a real big story. It's kind of a big story, but it's also big. You know what I'm saying? All right? And so I'm going to share this story with you. All right? And then we're going to challenge that story with kind of like where you at. And then we're going to open up that scripture again and do our thing. All right? So praise the Lord. So uh, let, me, let me pray for us real quick. And we're going to jump into Romans chapter 8, verse 5 through 11 all right, is going to be our text for today, all right? And so uh, we're going to be jumping all over the place today. We're just going to try to stay right there. So Romans chapter 8, verse 5 through 11. Uh, let's go ahead and just pray. So Father, we give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory, Lord God. And uh, man, you know, there's all kinds of stuff right now, Lord, just kind of just, just bombarding our minds and, you know, just kind of our lives and stuff like that, you know what I mean? And some things that we think are real important, then, then we find out aren't important. And some things we didn't think are important, find out they are important. So, Lord, all that stuff is just hammering us on a daily basis, Lord God. So we're just praying that just for this moment, man, just for these next few minutes, Lord, that we can just, you can just help us quiet down that noise and just kind of maybe just see, just, just maybe that there's something you want to say to each of us individually, as well as collectively. And so we're just going to try to listen for a minute, see if we can try to hear you for your, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Romans chapter 8, verse 5 starts out with this, man, and this gets crazy, all right? So I'm just going to throw it out there, all right? For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit, amen? So check this out. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. All right, but to set the mind on the spirit, well, that's life and peace. Now, now here's where it gets crazy. Check this out. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't do it. And those who are in the flesh, they can't please God. 
Told you it was going to get crazy. You, however, all right? I want to be a you, however, by the way, all right? You, however, are not in the flesh, but, but, but in the spirit. If, if, big word, man, huge word. My dad used to tell me that's one of the biggest words on the planet, if. All right, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. Boom, there it is. You're going to get mad at me. All right, he's the one who said it. You want to get mad at somebody, talk to him. Man. You know, he put it there, I'm just reading it. All right? And he says this, but, but, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of, is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him, man, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life, all right, to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Big stuff, all kinds of stuff, things flying everywhere. We'll kind of try to track those things down here in a little bit, but basically trying to share with you a life from Jesus will change the world for Jesus. Amen. Let me try to illustrate that for you, man. Has anybody here ever heard of a lady? She's got a tripped out name. Her name is Corey Ten Boom. Anybody ever hear of that lady? All right. Oh, man, we got some fans. All right. <laughs> right on, man. Corey Ten Boom. All right. Uh, she was, uh, uh, you know, she's, she's, she's a you know, famous writer. Uh, you know, she's done a, lot of, uh, done a lot of speaking engagements all over the country. Uh, she passed away, I think, in 1983. She lived to be 91 years old. But uh, most importantly, she's a Holocaust survivor of being in concentration camps and craziness. Um, Corey basically uh, was, was from a family of believers, Christian believers. And during the time of the Second World War, during the time of, uh, of um, you know, this, uh, of this, of this uh, the, you know, when the Nazis were trying to eradicate the Jews and all kinds of other people, uh, her and her family were actually hiding Jews, all right, from the Nazis. They were actually kind of hiding them out in their house, all right? Her dad, Casper, was a watchmaker, had a little business going and stuff like that. But, but they actually started to get well-known for just trying to help the Jews out, right? Just kind of save them from, uh, uh, you know, from, from getting, you know, just jammed up, you know, and killed by the Nazis and stuff like that. Well, one day they got ratted out by somebody. Some they ratted them all out and said, yeah, these guys are helping the Jews. And that same day, they came and arrested her and her family, all right? And uh, they, didn't, they actually had some Jews in their house they were hiding at that time. They didn't find them and stuff, but they arrested Corey, her dad, her, her, her older sister, Betsy. And within about 10 days, her dad died, all right, in prison, in a Nazi prison. Her dad dies, and, uh, and, then, and then her and her sister are moved from prison to prison until finally they end up in Ravensbrück concentration camp. All right, Nazi concentration camp. And it's crazy because while her and her sister were in there, they managed to smuggle, I don't know how they did this, they smuggled the Bible in. And they started teaching Bible studies and worship services and having worship services in a concentration camp. That's crazy. And they started leading people to Jesus in this concentration camp. People started to come to know the Lord. All right, and you know, I don't know if you ever heard of some of the craziness that takes place in there. It gets pretty nuts in there. And in, in about, I think they got arrested in February, and I think it was like November or December, her sister actually dies in captivity in, that, in, in Ravensbrook. And within a few short days, uh, Corey gets released. And it's crazy because it was an accident that she got released. It was through a clerical error that she got released from Ravensbrook. Ravensbrook. And just, I think it was 11 days after her sister died, she gets released, and with this a matter of days, all the women in her age group, while still in the concentration camp, were taken to the gas chamber and were killed. And she barely escaped that through, I believe, a miracle. And immediately, man, she started just, you know, just still, she didn't give up. She had a heart for the mentally ill, and she was um, just still preaching the gospel. And as we know, obviously, the Nazis, they lost, all right? And, and, uh, and, and shortly after they lost, she uh, was preaching the gospel uh, all over the place. And she ended up back in Germany one night. And she's in Germany, in Munich, actually. And it was 1947. She's uh, preaching the gospel in a basement after, in, a, in a defeated Nazi territory, all right? She's in a basement, and she's preaching the gospel to, to a bunch of people there. And she's preaching this sermon on forgiveness. And this is where it gets nuts. All right, this gets crazy. All right, I'm gonna need some water. Okay, hold on. It's how crazy it's gonna get. All right, check this out. She's preaching the gospel in this basement. 
And she says, you know, they, they were really active people. When you preach, uh, you know, that, that they, they would actually, they, this particular crowd would just, they'd listen and they'd get up and they'd grab their wrap and they would just leave. And she said, that's when she saw this guy. She was preaching a sermon on forgiveness. And she was actually talking about how God will take, you know, when he forgives you of your sins, he takes all of your sins and just casts them to the, like, it's like casting them to the bottom of the ocean. They're just gone and forgotten. But she said, that's, at the, at the end, she saw this guy and she recognized him right away. It was one of the guards from Ravensbrook, the concentration camp that she was in, that her sister died in. She recognized him immediately. After the service, he gets up and she, he starts walking towards her. He was wearing a brown overcoat, all right, bald head, and he starts walking up the aisle. She says, as she looked at him, she saw him, the brown overcoat, and immediately she saw his, his blue uniform and his leather cap and the skull and crossbones, all right? And she started taking back to all that place, that harsh lighting, all right? There she is, her sister Betsy, all right? And it's crazy. There's a pile of pathetic clo pile of clothes and, and shoes in the middle of the floor, and there they are, all right, just being dehumanized in front of this man and other men, all right, having to walk before them naked. And she's looking at her sister, all right, and she's looking at her sister's back. Back, all right, and she has like, like this paper thin skin over her back covering nothing but bones. All right, it's just freaking her out. She's, all this stuff is just rushing back as this guy's walking up to her. He walks right up to her face. And he, and he, and he starts talking to her. He thrusts his hand out to her. And he starts talking, and I can't help it, man. In situations like this, I get into that sinister, I hear that sinister Nazi voice, you know what I mean? Fine message, Fräulein. You know what I mean? It starts freaking me out. All right, but that's what he says. He reaches his hand out to her, and he says, he says this, he says, a fine message, Fräulein. He says, ah, how good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. He was reaching his hand out to grab her hand. And she says, I'm just fumbling with my, with my, with my, with my pocketbook. I'm not, I don't I want to touch him. She's thinking, I wonder if he knows me. I wonder if he recognizes me. You know, I mean, you know, but how could he recognize me? I mean, there were thousands of women there. She says, I remember him completely. That leather crop hanging from his belt. Him being completely fine with my sister dying in that place. I wonder if he remembers me. Then he talks again. He says, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. He said, I was a guard there. And then she realized he didn't remember her. Then he says this, man. He says, but since that time, I become a Christian. And I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I want, I, I want to hear it from you. I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. And he reached his hand out again. Will you forgive me? <laughs> no! <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I mean, come on. What will, will you forgive me? No. Pam. No. No way. He's like, she's tripping. And she starts to pray right there. She says, and I'll just quote what she says. She says, I, I started to pray silently. I said, Jesus, help me. Help me. She says, I can lift my hand, Jesus. I can do that much, but you're going to have to supply the feeling. She says, so, so mechanically, woodenly, she says, she says I, I put my hand out there. And she says, as I did, this is what she says, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, she said. It raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then healing and warmth seemed to flood my whole being and I began to cry as I reached out to her 
to him. And I said, I forgive you, brother, with my whole heart. With my whole heart. Where did that come from? She said, for a long moment, they were holding there. They were grasping each other's hands. The former guard, the former prisoner. She says, I'd never known God's love as, as intensely as I did then. And here's what she says. She says, in having thus learned to forgive in this hardest of situations, I never again had difficulty in forgiving. And then she said, yeah, right. I'm paraphrasing. She said, I wish I could say that. I wish I could say that merciful and charitable thoughts just naturally flowed from me from then on, but they didn't. See? <laughs> that was on purpose. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right? But they didn't. She says, if there's one thing I've learned in 80 years of age, in 80 years of age, I got a picture of her 80 years. She lived to be 91. But as she was writing this, she says, if there's one thing I've learned at 80 years of age, is that I can't store up, I cannot store up good feelings and good behavior, but I have to draw them fresh from God each day. This isn't something I can manufacture. This is not something I can just put in my pockets and, and carry around. This is something I have to draw fresh from each day from the living God who lives within me. Where do you draw from? Where do you draw from that extraordinary life, right? That, 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 that larger than life living, that, 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 that person that you know you can never become, you can never be without the power of the living God inside of you. Where do you draw from? She says, I have to draw from this, from this wellspring daily. Jesus himself said, anyone who comes to me, if you thirst, come to me and, and I will give you, I will give you a, 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 out of your heart, he says, will, will spring rivers of living water if you, would, if you would just come to me. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And that well will be constantly flowing that you need to dwell from on a daily basis. From then on, she went and, and she began a rehabilitation center for uh, those who have made it through the concentration camps. And she started to, you know, she, she was started to preach the gospel. She went back and found two more guards from Ravensbrook and let them know that she forgave them. All right. She started to, to, to speak. She wrote a bunch of books. They made a movie, uh, The Hiding Place. I don't know if you ever heard of the movie. It's a hiding place. It's actually a, a, a movie of one of her books called The Hiding Place. All right. Um, she's been speaking engagements all over the world. And I think she's spoken over 60 different countries, all right? And here's what I want to tell you, man. It's not because she was so awesome, because she's so amazing. It's because a life from Jesus will change the world for Jesus. And that's what we're trying to talk about. Amen? Come on. This is where we're at. See, too often, I think, this is, this is just, I'm just speculating here, but too often I think that maybe, maybe we're trying so hard to live for God that we forget that he wants us to live from him first. He wants us to live from him first. And I'll ask you again, man, do you ever find yourself constantly trying to do things for God and keep feeling like you're just not that good at it? Maybe you're trying to live for him because maybe you just don't really know how to live from him. And what do you think the difference is? What's the difference here, man? Anyways, well, I'll just tell you, living and working for and not from God describes a life that keeps him on the outside. It keeps him on the outside. It's an invitation-only life. It's like, come around when I, want, when I want you around. Otherwise, just stay over there. You may not vocalize that. You may not even you know, think that, but maybe, you, maybe, maybe that's part of the life. It's an invitation-only life. Now, I'm going to be hanging out with these people over here. I got some friends I'm going to have. They don't really know about you yet. <laughs> Just stay over there. I'll, come, I'll, I'll pick you up later. Stay outside. I don't know if I want you inside. As opposed to uh, living and working from God, which describes a life that not only invites him inside forever, all right, but continues to draw from him daily. It's a called life. 
It's a called life. A life living from the spirit of God who dwells deep inside rather than, than, than the life that merely looks, all right, for the best existence here on the surface that satisfies my skin only. It's a life from Jesus that will change the world for Jesus. I love how Pastor Blake puts it. He says that your life becomes a living act of worship when you live this life from Christ. He shared, Pastor Blake was preaching a few uh, weeks ago, maybe a month ago. He was talking about how when he wanted to get back in shape, he went to go talk to uh, one of our brothers here, Jeremiah Navarro, who owns the gym up the road. And he was saying, hey, what do I need to do? And Jeremiah had a great question for him. He said, well, let me ask you this. Do you want to look healthy or do you want to live a healthy lifestyle? Do you want to look healthy or do you want to live a healthy lifestyle? Do you just want to look like a Christian? <laughs> do you just want to look like somebody who's like actually a good person? Or do you want to live a life that can only live and thrive because of the power of God that lives within that life? A life that is centered on the redemption of Jesus Christ. It is filled with the power and presence of his Holy Spirit that lives and serves the Father in heaven. That's going to require a change of mind. You have to change your mindset. Same thing with, like, do you want to look healthy or do you want to live a healthy lifestyle? It's going to require a change of mindset. I love what David Guzik says. He says, the mind is the strategic battleground where the flesh and the spirit fight. The mind is the strategic battleground where the flesh, the skin, all right, and the spirit fight. So who's winning the fight? I mean, it's your mind. You tell me. Better yet, tell yourself. Let me just ask you, man. You know, and you're like, how does that work, man? Mind and spirit, that sounds good, but what does that even look like? Let me ask you, man. You ever, you ever be in a worship service and, and if you feel like the pastor is preaching right to you, right? Yeah, right? That's, that's because we follow you around, all right? And we're just like, we're checking on you and we're just checking things out, all right? We're just taking notes the whole time. I got people on you all the time. All right, no, uh, no. Uh, well, are you, are you ever in a worship service, man? And, and, and then the song comes on and all of a sudden, man, you're starting to sing these words and they start going a little bit deeper than you actually were ready for them to go, right, man? And you start getting hit in a certain way and your mind's just not ready for that. And you start maybe some tears, you know, you're a grown man and you're freaking crying like crazy. You're like, don't look at me, all right? <laughs> all right, good thing they got the lights down, all right? But like, you just, you just get some tears coming out and like, you're just not understanding what the heck's going on. It's because your spirit, like, which is, that, that which is deep inside of you is starting to be reached finally. It's like, finally, somebody's talking to me, all right? We're talking to this all day long, but finally somebody's talking to me right here on the inside. And now my spirit is reaching out, man, for what's happening. But your mind is going, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. This is not, we weren't ready for this. My spirit's like, yeah, yeah, I'm totally ready. Let's go. Mine's like, no, 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 no. And all of a sudden, the stress starts to take place. And there's this battle going on. You have to ask yourself, man, what are you going to allow? What are you going to allow, man, to, to, to win the fight, man? It's your mind. So what are you going to set your mind on? Let's go back to our scripture. Romans chapter eight, verse five. It says, for those who live according to the flesh, all right? Those who are like just trying to satisfy the skin, man. You know, I just, wanna, I just want this stuff to feel good, man, because I don't like it when this doesn't feel that great. Those who want to satisfy, uh, live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things, all right, of the flesh. They dwell on the things of the flesh, all right? They fix their attention on the things of the flesh, all right? They keep thinking about the things of the flesh, all right? But those who want to live according to the spirit, all right, who want, yeah, man, I need to speak to what's on the inside, man, because now, you know what? I feel like it's just getting crushed daily, 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 all right? And I want some to speak on the inside. For those who live according to the spirit, set their minds, dwell on, fix your attention, think about all the time, all right, the things of the spirit, man. So, so where are you at? Where are you setting your mind? Is your mind, what are you training it for? I often ask people, man, 
A lot of times I'll come up to some people, especially a lot of times here at work, or, you know, in the office, and I'll ask them, hey, what you working on? What you working on? I ask them all the time, hey, what you working on? And, and every time, and I might even come up to you one time and just use it in a conversation, what you working on? A lot of times people are just like, oh, okay. Um, and they start naming things that they've just got done and they're trying to get done right now and they're going to be doing pretty soon. All right? And that's just our normal go-to. And I get it. It's understandable. But it's not really a trick, trick question. Because people ask me, hey, what you working on? I say, I'm working on a good time. But I'm serious. But they take it the wrong way. And I know what it sounds like, but I kind of, I'm, I'm serious. Because God said, who's good? Only, only you know, they asked Jesus, Jesus said, who's good? Only, only, only the Father in heaven is good. So I'm working on good, all right, on time, because I'm supposed to be redeeming the time daily, all right, because the days are evil, all right? And I only got so much time. I got this right here, time right here, and whatever time he wants to give me, all right, after that. I got this little bit of time. So I'm working on a good time, his time, all right, to make his time, to bring, redeem that time and give it back to him, because I got a shelf life. I ain't going to be here forever, right? And I know this, and I got things he wants me to do. Do from him, all right, that will actually, you know, create things that are for him. And so I'm all about that because in a moment, I'm going to fly away. I'm going to fly away. Praise the Lord. Amen. Boom. I'm going to fly away. What are you going to look like when you fly away? I'm going to do one of these. All right. And then I'm going to do one of these. All right. Then I'm going to come in like this. All right. I'm going to be flying all kinds of ways on the way there, but I'm going to fly away. Praise the Lord. Amen. I know this. And so people say, well, what are you working on? I'm working on a good time. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. For his good and for his time. Here's where it gets crazy. Remember this? He says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit, well, that's life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile. If you're setting your mind all about your skin, man, it's hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God or his laws. It can't. But those who, are, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. He ain't even trying. So what does it look like for you? Are you after the skin or are you after the spirit? How can you tell? I want to give you four questions just to ask yourself. I want, you, I want you to challenge yourself with these questions right here real quick. All right, this is kind of maybe some questions that might help reveal a few things in your life. Skin or spirit? Number one question I want to ask you, are you satisfied only by accomplishments? Are you satisfied only by what you got done, what you're getting done, and what you got to do? I'm not saying those are, are not important. Yeah, those are important, man. But are you satisfied only by those things? All right? Do you need a title? Or do you need recognition? Do you got to have those likes and those shares, man, and those reposts, man? Do you got to have it? Do you need those praises? I mean, there ain't nothing wrong with all those things, man, but I mean, I'm asking you, are you only satisfied with them? I've had a lot of young brothers come up to me, man, and just say, and I've been one too, you know, talking about, you know, pastoral leadership. But I've had two things, two, two, they usually say this in two ways. I have people come up to me and they'll say, I want to be a pastor. I'm like, well, I want to be a lifeguard in the world's largest baptismal, but it ain't going to happen. All right. And so I think that would be kind of cool. You know what I mean? But anyways, you know, um, but, but I'll have other brothers come up and say, I believe God's calling me to be a pastor. Well, I want to lean into that one. I want to lean into that, man, because if God's calling, then I want to be involved in that. But here's what I know, man. Every one of you are called. You're called to bring him glory. You're called to live a life, all right, that brings him glory. You're called to live from him so that you can change the world for him. Here's the crazy thing about that. Says God called you a long time ago to bring him glory. He called you in the womb. And this whole life is just catching up with that call. You got to catch up with the call, man. We'll talk about that another time, but that, that's, I have to ask you that question. Are you satisfied only by accomplishments and that recognition? 
What about this one, man? Are, are you driven by more and bigger and, and, and more and bigger and more and more and bigger and bigger? All right, is, is, are you just driven, all right, to get that more? I love the, the, uh, the, the story I heard about Truett Cathy, uh, the uh, founder of Chick-fil-A, was in an, uh, a meeting with some of his young marketers, man, these new marketers, and they're coming in, and they're sharing how, I think it was Boston Market or Boston Chicken. Anyway, it was one of those. We're just starting to just cover the map, man. These guys are like, these guys are getting too big, man, and they're just growing all over the place. We need to get bigger. We need to get bigger. We need more stores. We need more stores. All right, we need more. We need bigger. We need more. We need bigger. Finally, Finally, Truett just says, hey, man, calm down. We don't need to get bigger. He says, what we need to do is we need to get better. Because if you get better, then the people will demand that you get bigger. And so I challenge you, all right, because, uh, you, know, I, you know, when we think about, you know, I see people who are trying to work for God. And we need to do this for God. 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 No, 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 no. Back up, man. You need to be God's. You need to be his. You need to be all his, all right, so that you can live from him. Because I will challenge you right now that if you live from Christ and you start to look for, like Jesus, here's what I know, man, is when people see Jesus, they want more Jesus. That's what I know. So if we could just show them what Jesus looks like, well, then they'll want more. Are you satisfied only by accomplishments? Are you driven by more and bigger? Let me ask you this question. In your pursuits, does integrity take a back seat? In your pursuits, does integrity take a back seat? Let me ask you this. What if you knew that you could break the rules? What if you knew you could change the rules? What if you knew you could ignore the rules and nobody would ever know? And you can still get what you want. You can get what you want. All you gotta do is break a couple rules and it might even happen a little bit faster. Would you do it? Because we know this, man, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. Power is intoxicating. Money is intoxicating. Fame is intoxicating. Success is intoxicating. And if anything, we, we know anything about intoxicated people, it's what? They don't make good decisions. They don't make good decisions, Period. Period. Right? That's what we know. So are, 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 are you satisfied only by accomplishments? Are you driven by more and bigger? In your pursuits, does integrity take a back seat? And the fourth question is, are, your, are pursuits more important than people? Are pursuits, are your pursuits more important than your people? If you say they're not, can the people closest to you, can they tell that your desire for more, your accomplishments, that your pursuits are not more important than them? Can they tell? Who, I've challenged you this last week, who should you be fighting for right now? And how will they know that you're fighting for them without you just kind of like throwing it all up in lights. I'm totally fighting for you. How will they know? Are you satisfied only by accomplishments? Are you driven by more and bigger? In your pursuits, does integrity take a back seat? And are your pursuits more important than people? Here's what I know. When we set our minds on the flesh, it's not hard to lose what's really important in this life. When we set our minds on the flesh and not the spirit, it's really, really hard. See, if we set our minds on the spirit, God keeps informing us and informing us and informing us, transforming us and transforming us and transforming us, leading and leading and leading for his glory. But when we don't, we're just wearing our skin out. When all we're after is our skin, our skin wears out. The spirit does not. Um, Letty, Letty Kalman, uh, she used to write under the pen name of Mrs. Charles Kalman. She is, you know, she write on a bunch of you know, inspirational books and stuff like that. Uh, Follower of Christ. Back in the day, this is old stuff. She was writing a story in one of her books about a scientist who was going into Africa and he wanted to discover undiscovered lands in Africa. So he hired a bunch of guides, 
one guy in charge of a bunch of different guides, and they just had to cover a bunch of ground before they got to this territory that's just been undiscovered, uncharted. And they're cruising, right, at an, at an amazing rate of speed. They're getting a lot of ground cover. The first day, they got a lot more ground cover than they thought they would. The second day, even more ground cover than they thought they would. The third day, they got even further, and they were way ahead of schedule. I mean, the, and the scientist, dude, he was like just elated with this. He thought, this is awesome. Well, the fourth day, he got up all early, ready to go, and found out these guys weren't moving. He was like, wait a second, wait, 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 wait we got to get going. All right, come on, man, we're we are making unbelievable time. This is amazing. All right, we need to get moving. He said, that, and, the, and the, the main guy in charge says, no, we're not going anywhere today. He said, what are you talking about? He said, no, the guys, they just want to take, it, take a day off. He said, they've been moving so fast, and so and, and, and they're just, they just needed to take a rest. And literally, here's what he said. He said, they, they want to take a moment and a day to let their souls catch up with their bodies. It's exactly how they put it. You ever feel like you're just moving so fast that your soul is not staying in time with your body? Like you, you, you're all these external pursuits are just on that man. You're just boom, 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 gaining ground, gaining ground, gaining ground. But internally, man, you know what, man? You can crack in a moment if something just blows up. You're gonna blow up with it. You need to take a moment and allow your soul to catch up with your body. We're not paying attention to our soul enough. As I was sharing with you earlier, it's that part of our body that all of a sudden will just cry out and say, hey, when it hears the things that feed it. Is it possible, check this out, is it possible, all right, for the public world and our private world to split I think it is. I know it is, actually. Because we get all bent on satisfying the, the public world and we neglect our private world. We, we feed the skin and we ignore the spirit. And here's what's crazy, man, is when it does happen, all right, and, and, we just, and we're just moving at an incredible rate, all right, and maybe things are getting, a lot of things are getting done. It's you know, probably looking real shiny on the outside, all right, but the inside, I just know it's getting crazier and crazier. Because the bigger the split, the crazier my life gets. And the greater the need to reconnect with Christ and in Christ. So let me ask you this question. This is a bonus question right here. Does your soul need to catch up with your body today? Now, it's important to recognize that desiring accomplishments and being driven to, 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 to get things done, it's not bad in itself. I'm just wondering, are we doing it for all the wrong reasons sometimes? This is something to think about. Then he goes on, but you, however, and I want to be a you, however. I told you this. I want to be a you, however. I don't want to know if you're a you, however, or are you an anyone who doesn't. All right, so check this out. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him, all right? And so I want to be the you, however, all right, that is in the spirit. I don't want to be the anyone that doesn't, all right? So which one are you? Are you you, however, or are you anyone who doesn't? I know I wasn't anyone who doesn't for a long period of time, for a huge chunk of my life. Right now, I could actually say for over half my life, I wasn't anyone who doesn't. I didn't want anything to do with God. I wasn't anyone who doesn't to think about God. I was the one who doesn't care about God. I didn't want to know about the things of God. I didn't care. I didn't even know if I had a spirit, didn't really care. All right, and I was, I was just hell-bent, straight up. And I know this. But then God, in his grace... Allowed me to be a you however. I need to give me a t-shirt that said, I'm a you however. What are you? Anyone who doesn't? All right. I don't know. But it's crazy because I remember one time when we first started this church, all right, we thought, well, we need to go find some people, you know what I mean? We need to find some disciples, man, some people that God wants to make disciples. So we started going around to the bars. Serious. Got on our motorcycles, kind of cruised up some bars, kind of hung out. All right. So I want to see that maybe you know, who was being overlooked all right, you know, for leadership, man, believe it or not, and, you know, potential disciple for Christ who's being dismissed, who's being kind of written off. I went into this bar one time. I remember we went into this bar, the first, one of the first bars we went into, uh, and uh, kind of went in there, hung out, probably had a glass of the most horrible coffee you'll ever have in your life, all right? I love some coffee that looked at me all crazy. and like, all right, and he gave me this cup, and I know why. 
I think he probably had it sitting there for maybe, it might have been sitting there for a couple of years. He just warmed it up. All right, thanks. All right, and uh, anyways, we're hanging out and um, shooting some pool, right? And I look over the bar and, you know, there's a person sitting there drinking, another person sitting there drinking, another person sitting there drinking, and there's one dude doing this. You're one of those guys. Just looking right at me. Like he wants to fight because I'm looking at him, looking at me. There's got to be the weirdest reason to want to fight anybody, right? What do you want? You want to fight? You're looking at me. <laughs> Sorry, man. I've, God gave me these lookers. I've had them since I was real tiny, and I just look at them. You know what I mean? And I, they just land several different places. Apologize if they offended you. All right? Anyways, I looked at that dude, and I thought, I remember being this guy. Because I was never a bar person. The only time I'd ever go to bars because I want to fight. I remember this guy. This guy's here to fight. So I just stopped looking at him. I looked over here. There's a, there's a lady sitting at a table. She's got four empty bottles in front of her, and she's working on, or three empty bottles working on. She's working on her fourth one. Sitting there all by herself. Nobody's working. Women up because it's crazy out there. All right, but, but praise God that he's uh, kind of handling it around here. So check it out. Woo, I can start talking again. All right, you guys, you guys can hear me all right? Praise the Lord. Look at verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of, the, of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So, uh, so I, I'm tripping on this, man, because I'm seeing all this. Uh, but if Christ is in you, the body is dead. We're, 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 we have these finite lives, right, because of sin. The spirit is life because of righteousness. And I'm thinking about that. And I'm thinking, how did, how did Corey forgive those guys like that? We just initiated the death of so many. 
and those so close to her. And here's this guy that was right there with her who dehumanized her daily. Dehumanized to the point of death, her sister just right in front of her. How did she, how did she say, I forgive you, brother, with all my heart? How did she go and find two other guys, guards, and forgive them? How do we overcome that? that I, I was kind of joking, but I was kind of serious, man. What do you mean? Will you forgive me? No, man. I'll take you out right here. What you did to my sister? Are you kidding me? Where did she draw from? The redemption. The death. The burial. And the resurrection of our great God and King, Jesus Christ, who is living inside of her now. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life, not this continual pursuit of just dying on a daily basis, but life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. A life from Jesus will change the world for Jesus. Amen. So here's what I want you to do, man. We're, we're going to stop right here, man, because we have so much more to go in the next coming weeks, man. Just stay engaged. Stay on, keep watching us online, wherever you're at, man. But stay engaged because this, this is a very complete series, and it's pretty amazing how God has led us to this. But in the meantime, just for this week, I want to challenge you to four things. Four things. I want you to, I want, you know, I want you to set your mind... On, on, on the spirit of the living God, right? We're going to talk about how do you do that? How do you fix your eyes on Jesus like this? And, and I want to challenge you to, 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 to get your Bible, open it up, all right? Open that Bible up, all right? Open it up, man. Open up that Bible and just start reading what God has to say to you. And just start checking it out, man. And, and here's a, there's four things I want you to do. When you open up that Bible, I want you to do these four things right here. Oh, oh, when, when, when Jesus, I want, you to, I want to challenge you. Okay, don't just randomly open it up. Open it up to one of the Gospels, all right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Open it up to one of those. And start, start reading about Jesus and start listening to Jesus when he speaks and start watching Jesus. And here's the four things I want you to do. When Jesus speaks, I want you to listen intently. Listen to what he's saying. When Jesus is acting, I want you to watch carefully when he acts. Watch carefully. I want you to listen intently when he speaks. And, and when you, here's what's crazy. When you're reading those scriptures, he's gonna speak to you. Because why they call it the living word. I believe that the Bible reads you back. When you choose to open it up and read, the Bible reads you back. All right, now check this out. I want you to listen intently when he speaks. I want you to watch him carefully when he acts. And I want you to respond intentionally when he asks you questions. All right, because I know this. You're going to be reading these scriptures. And you may not see questions for you. But you're going to start to question your life when you're reading about his all right, and I want you to be able to respond intentionally when he asks questions. And, and, and then finally, I want you to act upon everything he says. Say everything, come on. I want you to act upon everything he says. Amen. Now here's what I know. I know this. There are some of you here, man, you're just sold out. This is the life you're living. All right, you know, I'm not telling you nothing new. It's confirmation. It's fun to celebrate this and, and, and praise the Lord. But there are some of you also here. All right, maybe you've been sold out. Maybe you've kind of just tasted and seen that the Lord is good, but you're still not all the way in, in that deep. And you're kind of fighting off the skin as you're trying to battle, all right, the skin in the spirit. And it's just, it's just constantly going back and forth with this. 
and I, and I recognize that's a struggle for you. I want to challenge you, man. You know what? Maybe you just need to take a moment today, all right? Before you walk out one of these doors, you need to take a moment. You can't leave anyways because we're going to have an amazing declaration of faith right here, all right? So just give us a couple of moments here, all right? But, but, but maybe maybe you just, you know, you, you don't leave until you just kind of reconnect with God. And just to say, you know what, man, I, I, you know what, God, I, I, I was with you, and I kind of got way, way away from you. And I need to reconnect. And we want to take that moment. If you need help praying with that, we're going to be right here to help you pray with that. But I know this as well. There's some of you here, man, you're like, you know what? There ain't nothing in here. You keep talking about reaching the inside. I'm coming up empty because he's not in there. He's out here. You may have heard the story and you, yeah, you agree with it. You know, you're not fighting it. You may, you know, uh, you know, know, know that God does crazy cool things and stuff like that. And you're like, yeah, that's cool. But on a personal basis, man, when it's just you and him, you find that it's only you and there is no him. I want to challenge you that today, man, that this day right here is the day. That, that, that don't let another moment go by, man. Give your life to Christ, man. I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, you want to come up here and pray? We're not going to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to tell you, say this and say that and say this. That's just weird, all right? But I will challenge you to the scriptures because the scriptures challenge us to this. If you believe, if you believe inside here, if you trust, it's not just believing and agreeing. This is a trust. I don't want to just believe. I want to trust that God came in the flesh. Jesus Christ lived, taught, did many miracles, and he died, and he was crucified, and he was buried, and three days later, he got up, amen? He's alive, all right? I want to agree with that today, and not, and not only do I agree with that, not only do I believe that, not only do I trust that, but I want to say, Lord, you are the king, the sole leader and Lord of my life from this point on. I want to challenge you, do not leave here, man. The only people that should walk out that door are full, sold-out believers for Jesus Christ. Don't leave here and left if that ain't you yet. And we'll be here to pray with you. We got a couple of bouncers at each door to make sure they're going to be checking. We'll scan. We have these scans. All right, just kidding. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen.